0: Welcome to Between the Ears, the podcast that believes it's all in your head. This is episode four. You're about to hear an unscripted conversation about when is enough enough? When do you abandon a relationship? When do you change jobs? When do you take a stand or change your ways? Are there times to quit, to cut your losses? These are difficult questions. In each episode, our goal is to reach some potential answers by the end for listeners. I'm Stack, and here is Z Stuff with the start of our show.
1: After five long years of being in an abusive relationship, enough was enough. I couldn't take it anymore. I was done. What about? Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. So like the listeners, I, did, I don't know this story, but we expect this episode to be a little bit intense and Z stuff has something in particular she wants to start with. We're going to start with relationships. So five years in an abusive relationship.
1: Yes. I was 21 when I first met him. And he looked like he was a normal person. But then as time went on, you realize that it just was a different situation. Like, I remember the first time that that it all started. Like, I remember I threw a cheeseburger at him, not on purpose. I just didn't have my glasses on, so I had bad aim. And then that was the first smack in the face.
0: Wow. Well, and, and we've talked about in a previous podcast, you can't tell what's normal by looking at someone. Right. But actions, actions tell a story.
1: They do. They actually do. So it was like, you know, and you always say you're never going to be in that situation. But
0: that was not enough for you. You got smacked in the face, and that was not the moment. We're talking about when is enough enough, and that was not the moment.
1: No. Five years. Clearly, Mm -hmm. that's when I felt like it was enough. But that first hit, I was just like, okay, let me just tell this kid, keep it moving. Let me let him go. And then all of a sudden, you know. He comes back, and then you're like, all right. And you know this. You know that once it happens, it's going to happen again. But all of a sudden, you're in the situation, and you're just like, all right, let's just see what happens. And then it just kept going, and the hits got harder, and it got more intense.
0: So on some level, you felt like enough was enough inside, but your actions kind of didn't match up with what you were thinking kind of deep inside. Right. That you're like, ah, it sounds like you knew that. Uh, this isn't right. This isn't the right situation for me. This is just wrong, maybe. But
1: I just ending a relation. Yeah. yeah. I just kept on going. I think a lot of people keep going like that. A lot of women in that situation go on. And I think it's hard for them to turn around and be like, Enough is enough. You know, a lot of them don't make it out. A lot of them end up dead. And it's really scary. It's a sad situation. I'm I consider myself one of the lucky ones.
0: So what was the journey to to get to that point, whatever you want to share until you could say enough was enough.
1: So it was 2011. That was like the midpoint of the relationship. And one day we were out and he was just being so nasty. And I was just like, oh man, it's just one of them days. Like it got to the point where I knew from the moment we woke up in the morning that what kind of day it was going to be, if it was going to be a good one, if it was going to be a bad one.
0: So you're not even just talking physical abuse and this is probably me being naive with physical abuse, probably comes a lot of verbal abuse too.
1: Yes. Verbal, emotional. It's just, my relationship was all around abusive. So some people just have certain types of abuse in the relationship where it's just like verbal or emotional. Mine was all around. Some relationships have sexual abuse. So, and nothing, nothing else, but it was just that one day and we got home and he put the music on and he turned it up really loud. And I was just like, oh shit, like, I don't want to deal with this.
0: You're saying he turned the music up, uh, up loud for a purpose. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I knew once that happened, what was going to come next? I didn't know exactly where it was going to end or lead to, but I knew something was going to happen.
0: What comes next when the music, what comes
1: next? Well, I start. Doing the laundry, like taking it out so that we can go do it. And then the next thing you know, a hit came right Mm. in the face. And I was like, oh, shit, not today. So the next thing you know, we're fighting and I'm sitting there and we're struggling. And he makes me take my glasses off and he takes a rock bottle and he hits me with it. Whoa. So I was like, all right, well, me and you're going to fight. Like today's do or die. Like it's either me or it's you. And I was like, all right. So I kick him. And then the next thing you know, he was able to hit me more. And then it busted my head open. And at the right time, the bell rings. Well, it wasn't really the bell. We had to, They had to knock. The person knocked on the basement door. That's where we lived. And that's what stopped everything. That's where it could have been worse. So. I get in the shower because he's like oh get in the shower and i'm like oh my god he's threatening to like hit me again so i'm like whatever so he opens the door and it happens to be my mom's boyfriend at the time and he um he he leaves so i end up getting the ambulance calls and i go to the hospital and seven staples and they already knew what was going on because they asked me what happened and the
0: hospital you mean yeah yeah
1: and i was just like letting them know you know it, it it this is what happened and they're like you know you should press charges. And I'm like, you know, you're embarrassed. What do you want to say at that point? So I'm just like, no. So that happened. I got seven staples. My mom was all frantic. My whole family was frantic. And at that point, they wanted me to just leave him alone. They knew he was trash from the beginning. And honestly, that's that's the word I use, trash. Some people use different words, but that's my word. Mm-hmm. So nope, I didn't leave him alone.
0: It was not, enough was not enough at that point.
1: Enough was not enough. So we move forward and I end up pregnant. And I was just like, oh man, like, you know, when you first find out you're pregnant, you're excited and Mm -hmm. happy. And I didn't know, he knew before me. And I was just like, you're, you're crazy. You're off your rocker. Like, I'm not pregnant. I'm not having no kids. Come to find out I am pregnant. And I was like, great. I Was, was happy, but nervous.
0: Was he happy about it?
1: he pretended he was happy about it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I have this baby, just, I'm gonna keep this baby, you know, maybe things will change as most women do. Most women in this situation really think that things are gonna change, but they're not. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna have this baby. And then like two months down the line, one day he wakes up and we get into an argument. He's drunk still from the night before. And he's like, you're having an abortion. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So he grabs my stomach and he's like, he threatened to kill me and my cousin who was pregnant at the time and my grandfather.
0: He threatened to kill two other family members Yes, as well? wow. that's what
1: happened. So I was like, all right, you know what, fine. We're going to go to the clinic and we're going to get this done. Just for the record, I do not promote abortion, please. I know there's a lot of pro-lifers out there. I just, I don't want you to think that it was an easy decision for me. But I had to do what I had to do for me at the time.
0: It sounds like, and I know nothing, is um, if there was not the abuse and it was a healthy relationship, there's no doubt you, you would have kept the baby.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But we go to the clinic and then the next thing you know, I go into the room and I- You know, they do whatever they need to do. And he comes back in and he's like, did you do it already? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I didn't want you to. Well, it's done. There's nothing I can do about it. So that's something that I've struggled with.
0: So you did it out of fear? I mean, is that...
1: I think I did it out of fear, but I also knew deep down inside that that same voice that was telling me it was wrong the first time to let this kid go was the same voice telling me that I did the right thing. Mm. You don't want to be attached to someone like that for the rest of your Mm -hmm. life. And a lot of women are. So that was my choice. And then finally, guess what? Enough wasn't enough, but that was the turning point for me. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think 20, it was like a year or two later. And one day, This huge situation happens and I won't talk about that one only because there's other people involved. So, Mm -hmm. um, so after the situation, he comes out of the hospital after a week and the last hit, he punched me right in my face in the shower. And I was just like, I'm done. This is over. Enough was enough. I was, Mm -hmm. I was done with it. So this was
0: how long into the relationship?
1: This was about like the fifth year. This was Mm -hmm. already like four years down the line. Okay. So finally that last hit, I was like, this is it. I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. Like I knew it was to the point where I was going to die or he was going to die. Something was going to happen to somebody. Somebody was going to end up dead and somebody was going to end up in jail. And he went out one day. It was, I think it was Saturday or Sunday. And he went out and I packed my stuff, me and my mom, barely any money, called my aunts and we came up here to Syracuse. Wow. And the rest is history.
0: Has there been any contact since, or is that a. In the
1: beginning, there was. He kept trying. Um, He would read my mail Mm -hmm. to find out where I was. He would open it, and then he would always, like, oh, come home. Try, you know, it'll change. It'll change. Just come home. And I'm like, no, I'm done with this. Like, I deserve better. I want more. And this isn't it. And I just think this is a serious topic. Although I talk about it, a bit lighter now than when I did in the beginning, it is a serious topic for a lot of women. And I, you know, men go through it too. And I just think that there's a stigma with this and people judge so much. And it's like, oh, well, I'll never end up in that relationship. I'm glad you will end up in that relationship. I don't want you to. I didn't wanna be in that one either. But I just think a lot of people, it needs to be spoken about. And if I can get my story out about how I survived, then I'm okay because there's so many silent sufferers.
0: I think it's great that you shared it. I thank you for sharing it. It's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so it, it took you a long time to say enough was enough.
1: Yes, it did.
0: And it sounds like some of the barriers to getting there were you said embarrassment. Yeah. Um, embarrassment that you were a victim. I mean, is that how you were feeling as far as embarrassment that you'd have to say the reason why was that, Right. you put up with that.
1: Yeah. And Um, how do you explain why you put up with that? So many people judge.
0: Yeah. So there's an element of of shame with that. It sounded like the pregnancy made you, I don't know. Was that part of what got you to enough was enough? It sounds like it was. I don't know if that made you less likely or more likely to say enough was enough, the pregnancy.
1: I think that was more. I think that was really when I started to open my eyes, I was just like, wow, like here I am. And I'm not, I'm not big on abortion to begin with. I understand why people do it. So for me, that was like even harder. And that was really like, wow, like I had to do this. Mm -hmm. And although I know it was the best decision at the time, because you don't want to be tied to someone. That's when I was just like, I got to really open my eyes and I would look in the mirror every day and be like you gotta do this you got to get through it you're worth more than what you're putting yourself through
0: what was the final calculation that made you say enough was enough that day what what do you think as best you can recall because at some point your calculation had been on your mind for a long long time I prayed
1: for three months straight on the on the train that You know, I've always said that I'm not big into, like, I had issues with God. But then three months, I was praying to Jesus, like, no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I just think I knew that last hit. I knew that it was done. That after that hit, plus he had also said when it comes down to me and him, he'll choose him. And I knew. I knew at that moment it was time for me to go. Fight or flight. And I did both. I fought and left.
0: I I view it. I mean and it's hard for me that's i didn't know you're going to talk about that today it's kind of like uh the consequences of not acting became too great for you the thing that stuck with me was not just you getting hit as horrible as that is but he actually threatened murder of two of your family members and you and with the pregnancy this abuse was not just affecting you but affecting other people so it's it's like at least in the way that you've told the chronology of that relationship the consequences became more and more too great too negative to not act There was far more risk than any benefit um that you felt or any embarrassment that you felt it was just the risk overwhelmed everything else is like how that story unfolded for me
1: and you're absolutely right that that, i think that was a big moment when he threatened the people that i love you it's always been you want to hurt me you're going to hurt me but when you sit there and you start to threaten people that I love. That's, that's an issue that's deeper than just me. And I just, I didn't want to be a liability for anyone. And that's what really changed. So enough was enough. And I made it happen.
0: So how do you feel towards that person now? Is there, you know, there's, there's got to be some sort of scar, so to speak, emotional, mental scar. You you said enough was enough. Now so now kind of the aftermath of it. What what still lingers?
1: I think with you? the aftermath is the hardest for a lot of people that get away. That's that survive. I think because ultimately here you, on one hand you have all these demons, and then you leave, and you still have these demons, but you don't know how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. You know I mm-hmm. I still have nightmares to this day. I still at times get so nervous when I'm down in New York City visiting my family that I don't really even leave them. Like I think I went down it was July I went down to the city and the it was so random I left to go walk to the neighborhood store that I always used to go to. Knowing, taking a chance that he, I could run into somebody that knows him or I could run into even him. And I did it and I felt so free and it was the most amazing walk in my life. And it was just awesome to know that I can do that.
0: So yeah, you felt some concerns on safety until you did that additional step, a walk that you clearly needed to take. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was gonna read today was really brief. Um, and you mentioned God, this is from Rabbi, uh, Zacharias cries of the heart that someone gave me to a long time ago, um, because it meant a lot to them. Um, and it was basically just about what goodbye means, which, you know, in this situation is going to be interesting to see what you say. You say God was kind of part of, or at least praying was to God was part of what gave you maybe the courage to do this. But in Spanish to say goodbye is adios, meaning to go with God, the same as in French, Adieu, in English goodbye is a contraction derived from God be with you you said goodbye to this abuser I'm not sure if you felt like God be with you on your way out or did you how did you feel how do you feel to that person and saying goodbye to them how do you reconcile the existence of God with that person who has done such a horrible thing towards you
1: I think there's always good and evil and It's always gonna be a balance and I don't think he's really um, a part of what God created. I don't wish him bad. I did in the beginning. In the beginning, oh my God, when I first left, I wished he would die. I wished that I could do everything to him that he had done to me. And then finally I was like, holding on to that isn't really helping me. That's not helping me. That's just feeding him and still giving him what he wants. And I decided that I needed to go to therapy, which is something I was so against in the beginning but i think it's really helping me to change and to grow and i wish him the best
0: so instead of the negativity poisoning you you sounds like you've gotten really positive with it and it's been a growth thing for you and you try to turn this negativity into a positive thing for
1: you yes and i think so many people hold on to the negativity afterward and that's their downfall
0: yeah 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 or as we've seen possibly with one of those um me too um, situations that are more public um, abusers becoming uh, people that are abused possibly becoming abusers themselves which i think is probably the ultimate mutation of that negativity that they they fulfill the same thing the previous abuser did so you've done just the opposite in a very positive way which is nothing less than inspiring i think so
1: can't perpetuate the cycle and so, a lot of people do
0: so you know from that example when is enough enough you know, did, do you come out of it with any rules generally when is enough enough? Is it how you feel? Is it, um, you know, did anything universal you have that affects your decision making in other situations?
1: Um, I honestly can't tell somebody when enough is enough. There's no time frame on it. I think it's when deep down inside, you're going to know you have to follow your instincts. And if it's been a long time and you really feel like that's the time to jump and take that leap, then you have to, and you just gotta go with it, and you have to trust it. Um, there's no time, like I said, there's no time limit. It's just on you.
0: So it's individualized. Yeah. You know, you would say, um, and that makes sense. Do you think everyone has a good voice in them, guiding them? Like it sounds like you had a really good voice in you, maybe some family, and then praying, and you you had a voice that you can rely on, and I would suspect rely on more now when you feel. Um, similar enough as enough feelings. Do you think everyone has that voice?
1: Um, no, I don't. I think there's ma- there are many women who don't have that voice for the simple fact that it's been beaten out of them.
0: I, I hope this podcast and you know other things that go on in this world can help women or men cultivate that right. voice. You know that that would be the goal, right? That they can um, stand up for themselves and find a way um, out of those situations.
1: Yeah, so. I agree. I think. But, and I like that you pointed out men, there are men that are in that situation and it's so different for them. It's just as embarrassing for them as it is for a woman, because here you are, you have a man who's being abused by a woman. But if you go and you say that, people are tend to laugh more like, oh, he's a man and he's being beaten up by this, this chick. And it's like, why do you sit here and make him less than what he already feels, I'm sure, instead of just realizing that that's an issue as well.
0: Yeah, if you went further to press charges, do you think that would've been more painful for you to do? Um, You got out of the situation, but now I'm thinking about this person in another relationship today or tomorrow and this happening to someone else.
1: I was deathly afraid of pressing charges, so I didn't. And I do think about what would happen to the next person And like if I would have pressed charges, what would have happened? And that's something that I always keep in the back of my head. Like it it just it pops up every once in a while when I do think about everything that I've gone through. I'm always like, wow, like I wish I would have pressed charges. Like, damn, why didn't I? But at the time the fear was just still so great that I was just grateful that I got away. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, I do feel bad for the next person that ends up with him. I, I hope that he wouldn't go, it, they wouldn't go through that and he wouldn't go that route. But once an abuser, always an abuser.
0: Mm-hmm. Can't be redeemed?
1: I don't think so. It's in them. There's just something, the hurt and hate in them is so great.
0: I feel like you just sense a ton of evil in that person and that that evil wouldn't go away. I mean, I, the word evil has been on my mind since you've been describing it
1: and I agree with you I think and that's where I say that God didn't create that person that came from something else and it just so happened our paths crossed but I'm here and I made it
0: want to share what's going on between your ears listeners tweet us at between years that's a capital B tween lower score ears. now back to our conversation So it sounds like if we encounter evil, that could be a good sign that enough is enough. That we may want to get out of that situation. And uh, a relationship full of evil is the opposite of what a relationship should be, which is love. So anytime we encounter evil, and your example is an honest and raw one, um, that, that would be a good time to say is enough is enough. There's other situations that are more subtle, such as jobs. Um other relationships that may be more friendship level, um, just decisions in life that maybe haven't worked out. And there could be times that you need to quit. And I think quitting is another word uh, like settling that can often be perceived negative, but sometimes to quit and cut your losses uh, could be a good thing. So uh, that's what we want to talk about now is some of these other situations that we all hit and try to decide how to make those decisions at the right time. So we've decided Evil mm-hmm. is something that should make us pause right in our tracks. Right. And deciding when is enough enough is uh individualized. I had one job a while back that my stomach would turn as I pulled in the parking lot. It was a visceral body reaction. I disliked the job so much and I can't say I really disliked my coworkers. It wasn't a, a direct people relationship. I had just made a mistake or um, it was time for me to move on and my body was telling me maybe even before my mind uh, knew what to do or wanted to do. The hard thing for me, my barrier wasn't so much embarrassment or shame in that situation. It was what do I do next? Right. I I didn't know what to do next. It took a while to figure that out. But in the meantime, my stomach turned every time I pulled in the parking lot at at, at that place.
1: I can relate to that too. I think a lot of people could relate to that though. I think so many people are just in a position where they're not happy, but they need, it's a means to an end, you know, and you got bills to pay and that's something that a lot of people do.
0: I don't think I wanted too much in terms of that job. So I don't think I was being unrealistic. It wasn't outsized dreams that Mm -hmm. I felt entitled that I should have a better job. It wasn't necessarily about money. I just didn't like that job. You know, I, I think certain people may want more than they deserve their their ambition exceeds their abilities, you know, there there has to be a plan to reach that next goal. But that one was just a, a lousy job and um, enough was enough for that one. Um, I saw some people getting laid off and I, I frankly thought I would be next at some point. Maybe those feelings I had I, I, I thought would be exposed in some way by my actions that I would betray how much I disliked the job and I ended up proactively leaving. Um, I'm not sure if I had the best plan or not. The job I took after that, I ended up changing after about two years of that one. But it was definitely a better step and I didn't have that visceral feeling anymore.
1: So your fear and quitting led you to something better for you inside.
0: If I If I didn't see those other people being laid off, I'm not sure if I would have put up with it a, a little bit longer. I'm not sure if I would have dealt with it. I mean, just you know, you don't want to leave and end up in a similar situation, a similar feeling for what there there has to be a plan. I'm a planner. If you can't tell, there's there's times to be spontaneous. (laughs) There's times to be spontaneous and there's times to plan, but when it's your livelihood, I feel like there needs to be a plan. So, um, you know, we embarrassment and shame were two barriers we talked about in your situation. For me, it was just the unknown. What's next. I I didn't have a plan and that stopped me from saying enough was enough.
1: Which is, so, it's so odd to hear you say you didn't have a plan because you calculate everything you really do. I'm very, I think I'm proud of you at the same time for just going for it and making that move. Well, I mean, I think
0: the, those are, that's a that's a failure that I shouldn't have gone into that job probably. So I learned from it and that's probably a product of how I think now that I'm a little more proactive, strategic, and I have plans more often. Without that experience, I might not be the planner I am now.
1: Which you have taught me to do. So, that's a good thing. I think that all led up to where we are now. Your your planning actually has moved on to me and I I'm someone who waits till the last minute to do everything. So, kudos to you for that failure in teaching you that plan the step to plan because you've actually paid it forward. So, excellent. Look at that.
0: All right, so I'm going to do another reading and this one is the ultimate about when is enough enough. We're talking about life in general. And this is from Anthony Bourdain's book, Medium Raw. And he's going to describe the kitchen here. And we know Anthony Bourdain ended up committing uh, suicide earlier this year in 2018. So here's how Anthony Bourdain describes the kitchen. There is no lying in the kitchen and no God there either. He couldn't help you anyway. You can, you either can or can't make an omelet. You either can or can't chop an onion, shake a pan, keep up with the other cooks. Replicate again and again perfectly the dishes that need to be done. No credential, no amount of bullshit, no well-formed sentences or pleas for mercy will change the basic facts. The kitchen is the last meritocracy, a world of absolutes. One knows without any ambiguity at the end of the day how one did. Good and evil are easily and instantly recognized for what they are. Good is a cook who shows up on time and does what he said yesterday he was going to do. Evil is a cook who's full of shit and doesn't or can't do what he said he was going to do. That is how... Anthony Bourdain describes the kitchen, and to me um, it makes me sad because the kitchen was a safe place for him, and then there's life outside the kitchen, which obviously at some point took a turn for him, and uh, he committed suicide and I relate to that because I believe strongly in a meritocracy, I believe you know truth inevitably in a tough situation will will dictate the actions of others, and that based on merit you will be successful or get what you're striving for in life and as we all know life doesn't always work out that way it's clouded by uh self-interest uh by conflicts of interest and other people's motivations um and it's not the meritocracy i wished it was and i think that's part of the reason people uh related to that hamilton play by lin-manuel Marianda. um hamilton believes strongly in a meritocracy as well um he took it to another level that he believed the country should be led by the smartest people, basically, a, a small, a small group of people rather than letting the people at large uh, vote and, and dictate the future of the country. So, you know, for me, a meritocracy is, is how I operate. So the world can sometimes be frustrating for me. And it's hard to know when is enough enough um, when I when the reality of the world butts up against my own intrinsic view of the world as a meritocracy. Look
1: at that that's deep that's that's a deep number one i have to say while you were reading that i heard anthony bourdain's voice i kind of like went along with you reading that Mm -hmm. but i heard him and what you said about in the kitchen that was his life that's what he knew and then outside it's
0: he said he found validation from the kitchen is where you know you can you can create something and you could see it a dish of food obviously And then people like it and he felt validated by it it was very cut and dry it wasn't complex and i think the world's more complex often
1: and i think outside of the kitchen it was more complex for him clearly as it seems and um it's just i don't know you know I,
0: i think that comes full circle with how we started this podcast some people would say your relationship is not complex you get abused you leave the relationship right but it's not that simple. It wasn't that simple. It, you said it took about five years. Uh, the world is more complex than that. And some of these decisions are more complex of when to say enough is enough.
1: When else have you said enough is enough?
0: I mean, in relationships, for me, it's, it, it's been a moment when I was younger. Um, so I probably wasn't very calculated. I just lost whatever I thought I had, whatever magic was in that relationship was how I ended relationships when I was younger. So that was my enough was enough in jobs. My enough was enough when there was no longer a challenge. Once I mastered a job or felt like I was on autopilot, I wanted the next challenge. And if that job couldn't provide that, I was going to go find another one Uh, that did. Uh, My enough was enough in terms of things that I would do in terms of changing um, when I Felt like I recognize consequences from it. When the world was giving me so much feedback that I needed to change, um, I I, I did. Um, And that probably is a longer process than the other two examples I did. I I think quitting is tough where you feel like, again, it's the perception of others that you feel like you're quitting something. You had an element of that in your relationship. You want things to be successful. Um, I quit, shut down a business, um, and I was sensitive to it and probably still am because I felt like, Um, people would say, oh, his business failed. It it was a business for seven years, but I didn't have a passion for that particular business anymore. And that's why I shut it down. But it was still hard to quit because of how I felt I would be perceived by others. And it probably starts with family. You know, family and loved ones, is we care mostly about their opinion. I think outside of that, we can always calculate whether that person's um, important or not. Right. So, So those were all my general enough was enough yeah. um kind of decision some quick and some not so easy
1: yeah your relationship one sounds like the minute you got bored you were like peace out cub scout like you were just ready to go that's what it sounded like to me in I, that respect. no
0: uh you're right i the, <laughs> the specifics are worse than that i remember watching a lovely person brushing their teeth and the way they brush their teeth um i knew that relationship was over at that moment <laughs> <laughs>
1: did you really? I did. That's awesome. And,
0: and I have similar examples like that, and it's horrible. And Keep uh,
1: going. I so have... Ha- I got to hear this. Come on. Give me another one. Only
0: one more. Otherwise, right, the fine. listeners will detest me so much. No. And I'd, I'd like to say I've grown since then as a person.
1: You have. I, I will attest to that. Next.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I met another lovely person for a lunch date, and she had a shirt with kind of cut off sleeves. It was hot. And her body odor was off. She had a hard day. She forgot to put deodorant on. But either way, I knew that was it. And I uh, that relationship ended after lunch. And I knew it.
1: <laughs> and I don't blame you. And you know what? I'm right there with you.
0: No, I, I'm laughing because it's, it's been so long on those. I don't feel like the same person, but they're extremely superficial decisions and how callous of a human being, me or anyone else, to end relationships on a whim that much. But for me, in a way, in a twisted sort of way, um, I felt like it was worse to lead somebody on and continue the relationship. Once I knew it was over, it was over. But I, I think many people uh, continue relationships knowing it's over. And then it gets even more complex. There's cheating, there is, I don't know, it just gradually deteriorates, phone calls go unanswered, uh, that sort of thing.
1: I think that's the saddest type of relationship, aside from an abusive one, one that you stay in knowing that you don't want to.
0: It's a one-sided relationship, which is horrible in any relationship, work, personal, romantic, non-romantic. It's a one-sided relationship.
1: It is, but um, I, I listeners, I'm going to be honest. I'm with him on that not wearing deodorant one. I'm superficial like that. I will chop it. I don't want you to stink. I'm sorry. I just... I'll grow, I'm sure, but I feel like if you can't worry about your body odor, then there's a lot more that you won't be worrying about. And I can't do that.
0: There you go, listeners. Make sure you put on your deodorant each day. Um, Otherwise, you risk losing your own relationship, evidently. Uh, This has been your Superficial Podcast. Uh, You've been listening to the Between the Ears Podcast. Have a future topic idea or just want to interact with us? I expect we may get some hate mail on portions of this, probably for me. (laughs) Uh, Tweet us at Between the Ears. That's capital B, Tween, underscore, Ears. Thank you for listening.